This is Beyond Mental. Night after night, I barely slept, yet I revved with energy. I was on the brink of an emotional outburst, but since I did nothing dramatic, no one suspected I was in crisis. It was nearly impossible for me to sit still, and my escalating hypomania affected my ability to breastfeed my baby. At my daughter's one-week checkup, her pediatrician was concerned with the drop in her weight and unaware my hypomania was the culprit. Welcome to the second episode of Beyond Mental. I'm Sarah Norton. What you just heard was not part of my story, but an excerpt from a book by Diane Harwood, Birth of a New Brain. Diane actually contacted me about Mental the Podcast just as it was wrapping up. But as I heard her story and read her book, I knew it would be impossible for me not to include her in this project. And so here she is on this extra episode just for her. If you have listened to previous episodes, then you know the mental project has been an investigation into postpartum depression and anxiety. But what if I told you those aren't the only perinatal mood disorders? What if I told you that beyond postpartum depression and anxiety, Some experience postpartum OCD, postpartum PTSD, postpartum psychosis, and, as Diane experienced, postpartum bipolar. Diane's experience is the topic of her book, Birth of a New Brain. One of the things that drew me most to her book was that her project is an investigation, too. She has only her story to tell, her experience, and the things she has learned along the way. I feel like we're kindred spirits in that way, and it was such a pleasure to get to talk to her. I have just a few clips to share with you from our conversation so that you can get to know her a little bit and get to know a little about the things she has to share. To start our interview, I asked her, tell me about when you were first diagnosed with postpartum bipolar. It happened, um... 11 years ago, it was 2007, and I was about to uh, give birth to my second baby, my little girl, Marilla. And uh, I basically, I went, I walked into the maternity hospital thinking I was fine. And then the birth actually triggered what I had was a latent bipolar disorder. Um, my, My dad had bipolar one disorder. And so I had the genetic predisposition to this mood disorder. And so when I had a baby, um, there was a few factors that triggered bipolar disorder, and the way the way I appeared to everyone wasn't uh, the typical postpartum depression. It was the opposite. It was postpartum hypomania at first, which is the lesser mania where I just seemed happy. I seemed, mm-hmm. and I felt happy, but 
I, uh, as I wrote about it in the book, Sarah, I, I knew something was wrong. You know, we always know if something's really wrong with us, you know, and then we mm-hmm. shove it aside. Um, but my thoughts started to go faster and I, I just felt like something was off. But I was still really happy because um, with my first baby, Avonlea, I had the most painful childbirth you could imagine, and I know a lot of people out there can imagine that, unfortunately. And I, because I was going for the the natural childbirth, and I changed my mind when it was too late to to ask for the medication. Oh wow! <laughs> so for the second baby, I decided to go for an epidural. And it just was like night and day. I mean, I was mm-hmm. I was literally laughing when my second baby was born because I could mm. not believe that childbirth could be painless. And I, mm-hmm. had, I had a really cool doctor who was very happy and upbeat. So the whole thing was really happy and a great experience. And I felt happy. But then basically it just it just unraveled. Um, you know, it's just it just got worse and worse with the mania. I stopped sleeping. I, I did this really strange thing called um, hypergraphia, which is when you can't stop writing. You just write and write and write, and you write. If you can't find paper, you write on your arm or the bathroom mirror or weird objects. Um, I didn't do all of that, but I found out other people have done that. And it's, uh, it's actually linked to temporal lobe epilepsy usually, but it does happen with people with bipolar disorder. Uh, so I, wow. yeah, when that, and then, you know, then my husband was like, what's going on? There's something wrong. And it just, uh, I was able to sleep, get some sleep, get a sleeping medication and kind of, um, keep the symptoms at bay. But then six weeks later they returned, uh, because I, I don't know if you remember my book. I, I'm a total sugar mm-hmm. addict. I went to my brother's wedding and I just went off on chocolate and um, champagne, and it just reactivated the mania to the point where I, I had to admit myself to the psychiatric ward, which I never in a million zillion years thought I'd be the one walking in for treatment. And did that did that help? Like, or like, how were you when you left the ward for the first time, the psychiatric ward, like? What, what happened then? Oh my God, that's a really good question. Actually, no one's ever asked that. That's a really good mm-hmm. question. Uh, it totally helped, but, but it could have been so much better, just the whole experience from start to finish. And I have the good news is that nowadays things are so much better for moms mm-hmm. who would be in the same situation in so many ways. But with me, I did get, um, I got diagnosed correctly. I ha- had a really nice doctor or psychiatrist, the chief psychiatrist, give me the news, which I was very lucky to have. Mm-hmm. But, but I was I was still manic and I was in shock. And so I left and I missed I had a baby and a toddler and, and my husband uh, didn't have a dog back then. But I missed <laughs> them. I missed them. And I was still breastfeeding. So my um, they couldn't find me a breast pump at the unit, even though the maternity ward was like two minutes away so oh my god I know I know I, I remember thinking god it, but it did it it, mm-hmm. it was imperative that I went there I, I don't regret going there it helped and when I left I was I, I was pretty much in shock and I was still I wasn't depressed yet that's the biggest mm-hmm. part I think I should emphasize is the depression had didn't hit so and I was functioning I wasn't psychotic I was able to I was only there a few days um, mm-hmm. So no one said, oh, I, you know, I think she can't handle 
going back to her life, mm-hmm. um, including me. And, you know, you know what happened. You, you read the book. Right. <laughs> totally, totally. I, so <laughs> did the, like, so the depression that you talk about in your book, like, it was, like, just, like, a kind of a big part of your life. Like, I feel like yeah. most of the book you <laughs> talked about, you know, being depressed, more or less, you know? Yeah. And was that part of the bipolar Oh, yeah. I mean, I did, okay. you know, but you bring up a really good point, and that is I did have chronic depression starting from, um, you know, college, but it was all situational, was re- relation breakups. Who's not depressed when someone they love breaks up with them? And who's not depressed, you know, when you have a broken heart? Yeah. Um, or a death of, I'm sorry, a death of a, a beloved grandmother. You're going to be depressed. And so I had that. Um, but And then, yeah, you're absolutely right. right. Like most of my bipolar experience has been the depression part, but there have been massive manic parts, and that's what uh, mm-hmm. differentiates bipolar disorder from other kinds of a mental. Um, even bipolar 2 doesn't have the giant manic swings. Uh, it has mm-hmm. it has uh, very you know low mania and then mostly depression for bipolar two, mm-hmm. but I had bi- postpartum bipolar one. So, but yeah, I mean I hope my book like that was another thing like I was like I don't want to bum people out too much with my book, but at the same time I wanted to be truthful to what happened. Like mm-hmm. I wanted there to be a happy ending, you know, but I wanted it to yeah. be authentic. Clearly, Diane's story, as she relates it in Birth of a New Brain, is very serious. The postpartum bipolar, the checking into the psychiatric ward, the accompanying depression, and the really heartbreaking effect all of this had on her, her marriage, her life as a mother, her friendships. At times, as I read the book, I wept. And yet, just her sheer drive to get better throughout the entirety of the book was uplifting. It was empowering. Underneath, you knew that she was going to get better, and there were glimpses of that along the way as she tried just about everything. Right after my first question to Diane, she actually surprised me and brought up a super cool topic of her own accord. And um, another thing, I hope you don't mind my just chiming in about this, because I think yeah. you, you will find this like, this is your your area of expertise, but um, yeah. I, I have a wonderful psychiatrist now who who is actually a devout Christian, and he's a lay minister. Mm-hmm. And even though I don't have that faith, uh, mm-hmm. the same faith as he does, uh, I can see he's like seriously one of the most grounded, coolest people I've ever met. And I, when I look back at everything, I know if I had some kind of strong faith, I know that would have helped me, and I didn't. And I think that anyone who has that is lucky. So I wonder, maybe you want to speak about that. I don't know. It's... <laughs> yeah, I, okay, I had a question written down sure. for that. And I was, I was interested in talk, um, asking, because you had like this specific scene I remember in your book. I think it was, it was before you were married. And I think one of your boyfriends had broken up with you in the hospital after yeah. you had like done something to your leg. Yep. And like this nun said, well, Jesus still loves you yeah. <laughs> or something like that. And you're like, it didn't really help me much at the time. <laughs> but maybe if I had faith, it, it would have, you know, right, right. helped me more. And um, yeah, so I was just going to ask about that. Like, um, did like, like faith in, in any respect help in your healing or I guess has it been helping in your journey now if um, you're looking at it in retrospect and wish you had faith? Well, I still, 
I don't have a strong like, traditional faith. And when I go see my psychiatrist, we actually talk a lot about about his faith because it really fascinates me. We, it's, it's, I mean, it's so nice. Like we don't talk about my problems. We talk about their checkups. You know, we don't, I used to go in <laughs> with my head hung down low. And so that's a whole other thing. And I, I know I'm going all over the place, but uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I only had some green tea and a cup of coffee today, but, uh, <laughs> but he, I mean, that really fascinates me faith. And I, in the book, um, by the way, you did remember everything correctly about what the nun said, and it just, mm-hmm. you know, it just, I was so zonked. I mean, the fact that she said that, I, I just, I had no, I just didn't even, I was so out of it, it didn't penetrate at all, except just, I did think it was funny. There was a part of my brain that, like, was like, what? And then I pressed the, the morphine button, and, and <laughs> it just got worse from there. But, um, but there was, a, in the book, there was a time when I got caught up, my friend, who I was really close to at the time, she was really into that. Um, uh, I'm just going to say what it was because I don't think that's breaking any rules, but I believe it's mm-hmm. called Science of Mind. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's not Scientology. I want to make sure everybody knows that. It's not, <laughs> it is not Scientology. No offense to those of you who are Scientologists, but it wasn't. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, basically, it was just, we just had a very charismatic female, uh, she, she was a reverend. She called herself a reverend, and she did believe in God, and... Uh, it really did lift me up for a while, and it helped me. But I, I just, I think um, what happened was I didn't, I didn't get into it full force because I went into another depression. And even if I wasn't depressed, I, I grew up. Um, I'm technically Jewish, and I just, oh. don't, I don't have this drive. I never was um, educated in in Judaism very much, and I just. Okay. I just don't have a yearning to adhere to any one religion at this point, even though I really do think it would help me. I just don't. It's, it's like someone, Sarah, saying, okay, Sarah, you need to go start exercising and training for a marathon. And I don't know if you really want to do that, but if you don't, you just don't, right? You just don't feel right. like that calling to do that. So I'm not saying it's out forever, you know, things can change. But, um, and again, I really do. I wholly believe that if I had a faith, it would have gotten me through. I might not have um, gone. I, I don't think I would have gone so low ever. But, totally. you know. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That is really um, beautiful and, and vulnerable to share. So I'm just really thankful you shared that. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. I was so thankful that she brought this up. That she was just so honest and genuine. It's really cool that she appreciates what faith can do to support someone, but that she doesn't just take up faith based on how it could help her. She just kind of nailed it. That it's not something you approach as something to use, it's something you adhere to. If you recognize truth and experience God calling you to faith, you respond. Next, though, I asked Diane, You know, new moms listening to this or moms who are going to have a baby, what would you tell them to look out for in terms of postpartum bipolar? What are some telltale signs that new moms can maybe pick up so that they can go in and get the help that they may need? The first thing is what is fantastic is there is now uh, a very brief questionnaire specifically um, designed to see if... um, new moms might have a chance of getting bipolar disorder. And it's like a page worth, and it literally takes a couple minutes to ask the mom. 
So um, I don't have that in front of me, but and that's not being done everywhere, obviously, but it's like huge progress to have this questionnaire. And they did a study on it and found that it was incredibly uh, effective. It wasn't 100%, but it was they, they were astounded at how, how great a job it did. So, okay, that's the first part. The second part would be just, just watch out like when you have your baby, if you really truly can't sleep, if your um, thoughts are racing, if you have tons of energy despite not being able to sleep much, like, and, and then also there's the classic uh, grandiose ideas where you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start a nonprofit. I'm going to run for Congress or, you know, some kind of like just stuff that you normally wouldn't hear yourself say. Um, there's just a couple other biggies. Uh, there's, oh, pressurized speech. And that's more mm. probably associated with um, full-blown mania. And I had... I had a reporter ask me to emulate what that sounds like, and it was I couldn't. I made a fool of myself because I couldn't do it. But basically, um, it's just it's just weird speech where it sounds like the person is forcing it out really quickly, and it's totally different from how they normally talk. And it's also uh, racing speech is another hallmark. So mm. I'm sure I'm missing some stuff, but those are some of the biggies um, that the mom would start experiencing. Some of them. I did ask Diane what ended up helping her. And it was a long story, and that story really is the content of her book as she worked to discover what would help her. But ultimately, she does take two different medications, one to address the bipolar and another for the depression. If you want to know more specifically about her journey and what she tried and more about the solution that has helped her, I definitely want to point you to check out her story further in her book. Side note, Birth of a New Brain is the first full book I've read since being married. I'm a reader. I like to read. This is the one that reignited that for me. My next question for Diane came based on some of what she mentioned in her book, and it's a topic that I think is crucial and maybe under-talked about. I asked her, what role did addiction and addictive behavior play in your diagnosis and your road to recovery? I, I grew up with an alcoholic dad, and I, I know you understand this already. I totally love my dad, and I, we were so close. I mean, he cried when I told him about my diagnosis of bipolar disorder. He cried on the phone. I'll never forget that um, when I called him from the hospital. So anyway, I saw I bring him up just because I saw what alcohol did to him. Um, it would make him ugly and mean and horrible to my mom. And I swore I would never do the same thing. And I, when I was a teenager, I never tried it. And then when I went to college, I tried it when I was like 20, you know, 21. And I just thought it tasted mm-hmm. nasty. And I never, I was really into health. I became a certified personal trainer. So I, And I never got into alcohol until after the diagnosis. And when I say I never got into alcohol, I never got into using it for self-medication purposes until mm-hmm. I was diagnosed. Um, along with the um, depressions, I had terrible anxiety as well. And I, because I kept trying medication after medication to no avail, I, I was pretty much hopeless. And I just thought, okay, I'm just going to start drinking and see if it helps you know, take away from some of this a- agony I'm feeling, even though I'm, I'm a mom. And even though I'm in charge of these precious little lives, you know, and then I rationalize myself to myself. I'm like, I'm going to be careful and I'm not going to do anything dangerous and put them in harm's way, blah, blah, blah. But I started Mm -hmm. just, you know, 
drinking, like I would drink giant tumblers of nasty red wine or tequila, I wouldn't taste it. I would literally guzzle it like it was a big thing of water just for the feeling, just for the feeling of of numbness. And and so, and it got worse and worse and worse. So that's why it was a blessing to actually um, be prescribed a medication that where if you drink alcohol, you could actually have a stroke and you could die. Mm -hmm. So I, uh-huh. I am grateful uh, for having that. But um, I'm trying to remember, I mean, gosh, there's been so much. I, you know, I had, I reached a point where I had to give up the alcohol before the medication. But I think they were just half-hearted attempts, to be honest. And I think, it's funny when you can't remember your own life that well. But I think, <laughs> I think what, I mean, I know I, I literally haven't had, I haven't had a drop of alcohol since my first pill. I, so 2013, I've been 100%. And, and when I see it or smell it, um, I actually get nauseous. But I, I do envy people when they talk about the relaxation they get or how it helps their anxiety. Mm-hmm. But I just, you know, I just, I envy them and I move on to the next thought, you know. And, and there's other mm-hmm. ways, there's other ways to find that kind of peacefulness without resorting to alcohol. Plus, I witnessed two very close family members um, actually die of alcoholism. I saw it. I can't say it, but I, I saw it in front of my face. I saw what happens when that is the main. Re- that is the only reason you're dying, and that really affected me. Like I'd never seen that up close before. So, not you know, I know some of your listeners drink. I don't mean to make you feel bad about your drinking mm-hmm. responsibly, but I've just been around such extremes. It's a different, you know, different kind of force in my life. You know. I think what I'm struck by most here is the idea of a sort of fortunate tragedy. Oh, happy fault, as they say. How perhaps sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom or getting put face to face with the fact that your addiction will destroy you. That can be the moment you turn and make a change. I think this is a real mystery, and it's beautiful to see it play out in Diane's life and her choices. And it's beautiful to see how Diane approaches it with such grace and generosity. My final question for her, what would you like to say to inspire moms who may be struggling postpartum? Just know that it gets better, even though, like, here I'm telling everyone about my, I call it the worst case scenario, you know, horror story, it gets better. And you need, just know that you can reach out to people um, and organizations like Postpartum Support International, or just in your local town, they have like postpartum wellness groups that are awesome, and you can actually make friends there. Um, there's baby groups, you know, just don't be afraid to like join a couple groups. So you can, you don't have to go through your stuff alone. And so you can just make even one or two connections with people or professionals to help you through the rough parts. But, but just, you know, it gets, it gets better no matter how bad it is, or even if it's not that bad. It does get better, and I can attest to that. Since I wrapped up Mental the Podcast proper, I've done extra things to get even more mentally healthy. I've limited caffeine. I'm not drinking alcohol. I've been going into therapy regularly. I use a gym pass. I practice mindfulness. I open up to a small group faith community called Teams of Our Lady. It does get better. And though it's a hard road, it's a joyful one. And it's the road I know I'm called to walk. 
it's the road that's sanctifying me, if that makes sense. So for now, keep investigating. But most of all, maybe think, what's your road? And I pray for you the strength and courage to embrace it. That's all for now. Beyond Mental.